Thank God for that solid rock. Well, as I look over the audience, I believe I see a lot of odd people. At least, in the words of A.W. Tozer, who wrote about a Christian who lives by faith, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he's never seen, talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, and happiest when he feels worst. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passeth knowledge. So I'm happy to be an odd person. Let me quote from uh, some statistics how to stay safe in the world today. Avoid riding in automobiles because they're responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Do not stay at home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. Above all else, avoid hospitals. You'll be pleased to learn that only decimal 001% of all deaths occur in worship services. And these are usually related to previous physical disorders. So safest place for you to be is in church. Somebody likes messing around with statistics, I think. Goes on to say that Bible study, midweek Bible study is even a, a lower percent of deaths than. Well, I was sort of pleased uh, of the 20 or 25 topics that I submitted that I could speak about here. Um, the youth from this area uh, chose uh, the five that are on, your, on the program. And uh, one of them is in church, encouraging church loyalty. And so I found that sort of encouraging in itself. More important than being in the church physically is being in the church spiritually. And it is imperative to be part of the church. I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. There is that one body, although we are many members. So it is imperative to be part of the church, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. 
And verse 27 goes on to say, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Leaders of the church are told to feed the flock of God, the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Jesus placed supreme value on the church. He purchased it with his own blood. And if you are part of the church, you have been purchased with a great price. So that's one thing related to how we feel about ourselves. We are of great value because of the purchase price that Christ paid for our redemption. So the church can depend on Jesus to be loyal and faithful. He views us as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special or peculiar people. So we can depend on the Lord. Can the Lord depend on you? Title is Encouraging Church Loyalty. Outline is simple. What, why, and how. What is church loyalty? Why should we have church loyalty? How do we express church loyalty? So we'll look at the meaning, the motivation, and the methods. First of all, what is church loyalty? By loyalty, we mean a faithful adherence to a cause or to a, a person. Um, a devoted attachment to something or someone. Good reading says, Loyalty is faithfulness, effort, and enthusiasm. It is common decency plus common sense. Loyalty is making yourself a part of an organization and making it part of you. Does this really describe your relationship to your local congregation? Now, I recognize there's one church, but there are many congregations or churches. There's Bethel. I'm from Grace. We've thought already, uh, I've thought already, about renaming our church from Grace, which is a good name. But we're very close to Punky Doodle's Corners in Ontario. And I think that would sorry, has a nice ring to it. Punky Doodle Corners Mennonite Church. That it would, might attract some people that are curious about the name, at least. If maybe they'll get curious about the Lord, too. But there is the term churches, the churches of Galatia. So it is appropriate to think about churches as well as church. Sort of like a body. Um, I have approximately 60 trillion cells in my body, I think. You maybe have a few less than that. But uh, that's sort of like the individuals. And then there's the congregation made up of, of uh, parts, parts of the cells, the, you know, the blood vessels and the tendons and the glands and so on make up the body. And then there's the geographical area, sort of the, the organs of the body. But it's one body and Christ is the head. The meaning of loyalty can be shown by actions as well as by a dictionary definition. Let's look at a few Bible examples. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 19 has a name of a man that some of you might have. Philippians 2, 19. Timothy. Philippians 2, 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your estate. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. There's loyalty. For all seek their own and the things which are Jesus Christ. 
For you know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. And uh, then there's a name of another man here whose name you probably don't have. Epaphroditus, verse 25. But he was also an example of loyalty, loyalty to Paul. He was his brother, companion in labor, and fellow soldier, and a messenger of the church, and someone that helped the Apostle Paul a great deal. There's a chap by the name of Stephen, Stephanus, in the Greek language, uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 16, 15. He was addicted to the ministry of the saints. There's all kinds of addicts around in the world, but he had this loyalty such that it was said of him that he was addicted to the church, addicted to the ministry of the saints. In the early church times, um, thinking of two young men, they were asked where their leader was. They were arrested. And because they would not tell where their leader was hiding or who had baptized them, they were put to death. They had loyalty. There was loyalty shown in a large group of people, hundreds of people in a building in the early church, about 200 or so A.D. And it was surrounded by Roman authorities. And the message was uh, given to those inside the church that if they would come out, they would be allowed to go free. If they stayed inside the church and were loyal to Christ, they would all burn. So they lit the church on fire. And it was uh, noted that not a single soul came out of the building. They had loyalty. In Anabaptist days, a man like Menno Simons, from whom we get the name Mennonite Church, although he was reluctant to uh, become a church leader, he agreed and he served for 25 years, preaching and visiting and administrating and writing. He risked his life hundreds of times. And uh, one time I remember reading, uh, he was on a canal in the Netherlands and uh, there was a large sum of money on his head. If somebody could give information as to his whereabouts and lead to his arrest, they would be uh, monetarily rewarded in a handsome way. And so he was in this boat on a canal going to, uh, I forget if it was to or from a preaching appointment, and uh, there was someone who recognized him coming the opposite way on the canal with a, what we'd call a policeman, a burgomaster, uh, this person in authority, and uh, Menno thought, it's over for me now. Uh, their eyes met, or I don't know if their eyes met, but he was pretty sure that this person recognized him, and... Um, kept on going, and as soon as possible, Menno ditched the, the boat and ran for his life, and as he was running, the uh, person, this traitor who recognized him, shouted, there he goes, he, he's just, we've just passed him, and so uh, asked why uh, the person had not identified him before, uh, the answer came, I couldn't, my, I couldn't get the words out. had a friend in my youth, John Troyer by name, went to Guatemala, talking here in 1970s. He and his wife would have visited 
uh, with us in, in our home in Ontario before he went to Guatemala. And uh, in the book Awaiting the Dawn, which some of you have read, it tells how he was shot and killed, a Mennonite martyr, in uh, uh, Guatemala. There may be some martyrs in um, the 21st century as well, in Guatemala or other places. Remember my son-in-law, Stephen Gingrey, um, serves as a lay pastor in Guatemala and El Chal in the jungles. And uh, he had received a threatening note that he would be killed if he didn't pay a certain amount of money at a certain place. And um, some of them, um, well, they're just local fellows that, well, in one case, he uh, he's given a phone number, so he called them up and he said, uh, it'd be a good idea for you to call before you come. I might not be here and I'd hate to disappoint you. So nothing came out of that one. Um, but this one he, he took more seriously. And as he was standing at the front of this little church, uh, just some side walls up about four feet, and then it was open air up to the roof. He saw these uh, two men with guns outside, and he thought, my time has come. But thought he may as well die preaching, so he kept on preaching. And our daughter Brenda thought, there's something, something a little different here. Seems to be looking out the window a lot. As it turned out, uh, they weren't after him. They were just some bodyguards for some guys that were playing soccer in the near, nearby field. So he was okay. But uh, we don't know. Yesterday, not yesterday, uh, day before yesterday in Guatemala, the same place. They have a large school of about 130 students or something like that. And uh, one of the, I think it was a fourth grader, uh, some men with... Uh, Expensive SUV, actually, it was a stolen one, I guess. Darkened windows. Anyway, there were four guys there with their guns. And they came to the school and said, we want to know where a certain student is. Um, son of a fairly wealthy man there at the school. Community. It's a community school. Anyway, uh, one of my former students in Ontario serves there in the school. And uh, she also registers the students at school, and they claimed that they wanted to register a student. And then they said, well, they want to talk to this other individual. So uh, there was some nervous times there, and not quite sure what was going to happen. They left then, but on the uh, way home, this uh, little fellow was, uh, was kidnapped, and uh, they took off with him, and then uh, some of the other townsmen took after them. There was a gunfight, and... Uh, the little fellows in intensive care at the present time is from the last report that I had. So I don't know where the Lord may call you to serve, but uh, your loyalty to the to Christ and to His church and to sharing the gospel uh, may be tested in ways uh, we haven't been to this point. So uh, pray for people, some of these are young people, your age, who are serving in places like that. And we go and visit there, and we don't think of the danger necessarily, but uh, 
Some places uh, do have certain risks and tests of loyalty. You know, I've grown up reading about Christians in China and Russia and the uh, testing of their faith, their loyalty. Some of these places uh, have tests of loyalty that we can't quite identify with. In one case, uh, some visitors to China um, were finding out how, the, how they do church in, in this part of China. Every time their church gets to about 15 members, they split because otherwise a, a large group of people would become, they'd become suspicious of them, so they split to reduce attention. And they keep moving from one, one place to another, so they, they're not as likely to be found out. Uh, and because uh, their means of communication uh, electronically are often monitored, uh, they would um, have a volunteer on a downtown street, and then you would go to this volunteer and find out where the church service was going to be uh, the next time. So one such volunteer was uh, discovered by the government and arrested and beaten and put in prison, and he lost his job and uh, his house. And so another man stepped in, another Christian stepped in to take his place to direct uh, people to the church service. And uh, same thing happened to him. So one of these visitors from America asked the uh, Chinese Christian, uh, the Chinese pastor, uh, I suppose you have some difficulty filling that job. And the Chinese pastor said, uh, no, we have a waiting list. Loyalty shown by action. In another case, a young person became a Christian. This was in Malaysia. Some visitors there from America. It's a baptismal service. One of the visitors was looking around and saw over there was a, a suitcase against the wall. Thought this was a little different in this. It was just a warehouse. It wasn't a church building like this, but where they had the baptismal service. But he saw this worn-out luggage against the wall, and he said, uh, what's, what's that all about? Well, it was explained that this suitcase was belonging to the girl who was being baptized that morning. And when he was told, her father said that she was, if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never go home again. So she brought her luggage. Loyalty. Now, in some places, there are house churches out of necessity. In America, there may be some groups that can't afford a church building. They're, they're small, they're reaching out in the community and so on. But I'm not particularly sympathetic to house churches in Canada and the United States where people simply don't want to submit one to another in the fear of God or don't want to be held accountable or they want to be independent and unrestricted and be in charge of whatever happens. If you want a smaller, more intimate fellowship, um, go to a small mission community, I would suggest. So that's a little bit about what church loyalty is. Why should we have church loyalty? Well, according to the Alvin Institute, there are six reasons for being part of a church. 
Number one, active church members live an average of 5.7 years longer than non-church members. Two, active church members have 60% less chance of a heart attack. And you may speculate as to why some of these things are. Maybe it's because you have a nice rest during church services or something. Uh, three, active church members have a 55% less chance of a one-car accident. Maybe because of drinking, I don't know. Teen suicide, the number two killer of teens, is substantially less frequent among teens who attend church weekly. And the National Institute of Health has uh, now delineated five protective factors that help fight coronary disease. And the leading one is weekly church attendance. And six, while only 30% of highly unchurched people say they are very happy, 70% of highly committed church people say they are very happy. Well, that's from a statistical point of view. But I know of six more, six reasons that are more compelling than those, and I'd like to point them out now. For one thing, we need the church, and we need to be a loyalty to the church for mutual stimulation to love and good works and worship. Turn with me to Hebrews 10, 24, if you have your Bibles. Hebrews 10, 24. You perhaps have heard these words at the beginning of services in your past. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's good to meet together to worship and to stimulate one another to devotion to Christ, to love, and to good works. The story is told of a certain man who uh, had attended church regularly, and then he stopped. So the pastor kept track of this, saw several weeks went by, decided he'd pay him a visit. So the man who hadn't been at church for several weeks invited him in, figuring, yeah, I know why he's here. So um, invited him in, led him to a big chair by the fireplace and, uh, and waited for the preacher to say something. So the preacher made himself comfortable and they just sat there in silence for minutes. Then the preacher took a coal from the fireplace, took the fire tongs and it was burning real nice and brightly and he put it off to the side of the fireplace. And the host watched this and the preacher watched this and they watched as it uh, the flame diminished. And there was a momentary glow. Then it totally went out. It was cold and dead. More time went by. And without saying a word, the preacher got up to leave. And the man who hadn't been to church for several Sundays said, uh, thanks for your visit, and especially for your fiery sermon. I'll be at church next Sunday. He got the point about the need for fellowship in order to keep the warmth of love and devotion alive. 
Next scripture is Galatians 6, verse 6. Here's a second reason for church loyalty, to encourage it, not only for stimulation to love and good works and worship, but also for teaching. Galatians 6 and verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. It has to do with financial support, but the point here has to do with teaching. We need the truth to be taught. A third reason, benefit, what we need from the church, Acts chapter 2. Here's a picture of the very early church talking about participation in church ordinances and activities. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the church was growing there. So, through baptism, communion, the various ordinances, and uh, the participation in the activities of the church. Another good reason for encouraging church Loyalty and involvement is the care of one's soul. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. That wouldn't be good for you, wouldn't be profitable for you. So knowing that someone is going to care enough about me to come to me and to talk to me and to encourage me or to warn me. Some people think, ah, oh, this, this is a disadvantage to have somebody asking me questions that I'd rather not be asked. But if we're in earnest spiritually, then we welcome concerns about our soul, about our condition. Back in our home community, there was a man who fell into sin, moral sin, and uh, the uh, church decided to ask for brothers in the church to fast and to pray one day a week for the next year on his behalf. And so there were quite a number that committed themselves to do that. The care of one soul. A fifth benefit is a sense of belonging, a sense of togetherness, a sense of security, a sense of joy and fellowship. It's good to feel, I mean, I've been places where I, I don't belong here. I don't, I don't feel welcome. A sense of belonging. And more than that, uh, a place to bring seeking souls and those who have experienced conversion. Those are reasons for encouraging church loyalty. You see, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. As uh, Timothy was told, we shouldn't take it for granted. One writer says, Really now, haven't you wondered at times if the church is that significant in a day of high-level decisions and powerful international issues? How could a congregation of folks carry much clout in our modern era of, trans era of transcontinental missiles, mind-boggling scientific discoveries, space exploration, and impressive educational advancements? It's easy to be a tad cynical when you compare the importance of a brilliant body of keen-thinking minds wrestling over a decision that could impact a continent of humanity 
with a few dozen people in some white clapboard building singing in the suite by and by. Or the solid rock. Yet, unless you've recently sliced Matthew 16, 18 out of your Bible, it says the same thing Jesus said. It still includes an unconditional promise that the church is his personal project. I will build my church. And also that it will be perpetually invincible. No way will the gates of hell be, no way will the gates of hell put it out of business. When you chew on that thought long enough, you begin to realize that the church is the impervious anvil and all these other hot items, no matter how impressive and loud and intimidating, will ultimately cool off and be replaced. See you on Sunday. That's when the body and the head meet to celebrate this mysterious union, when ordinary garden-variety folks like us gather around the preeminent one for worship, for encouragement, for instruction, for expression, for support, for the carrying out of the God-given role that will never be matched or surpassed on earth, even though it's the stuff the world around us considers weird and weak. The church needs each one. And there needs to be loyalty. You probably know someone who has cancer. Cancer occurs when the cells of the body are disloyal to the entire body. There are cells that function beautifully except that they are disloyal. And they disregard the total body. Disloyal cells defy inhibition. They multiply without checks or growth. That's cancer. They spread rapidly throughout the body, choking out normal cells. White cells armed against foreign invaders will not attack the body's own mutinous cells. That's cancer. For some mysterious reasons, these cells, they might be from the brain or the liver or the kidney or the bone or the blood or the skin or other tissues, they grow wild, they grow out of control. Each is a healthy functioning cell, but they're disloyal. They no longer act in regard for the rest of the body. And when the white cells go wild, they will destroy the body through rebellion, clogging the bloodstream, overloading the lymph system. That's leukemia. Loyalty is very important in the body, human body, and in the body of Christ. I know now, how do we show church loyalty? Well, by attendance, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together. Someone says, uh, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then some people must really love the church. I don't think it works that way, though. Um, I don't know what kind of a home you grew up in. Uh, some homes, if there's a church service, everybody is expected to be there. That was the kind that I grew up in. I don't know it's something for the government to legislate here in Virginia. A law in 1610 prescribed the death penalty for people who failed to attend church on three consecutive Sundays. How do you think that would fly in 2014? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, in some mainline churches, it's said that people go to church three times. 
in their lives for hatching, matching, and dispatching. And they're sprinkled three times. For the hatching, that's with water. For the matching, that's with rice. And for dispatching, that's with dust. Well, Mennonites tend to go more often than that. But I'm afraid some just warm the pew. So, attend. Second thing, be committed like Archippus. I didn't read about him before. Um, Philippians chapter 4, I think it is. No, it's Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. This, I think it was a young man, Archippus. And he was told, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. So do what you're asked to do. Someone said your local church is like a bank. The more you put into it, the greater the interest. It's an old story about four people in the church. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. So here it goes. The church had financial responsibilities and everybody was asked to help. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it. But you know who did it? Nobody. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Then the church grounds needed some work and somebody was asked to help. But somebody got angry about that because anybody could have done it just as well. And after all, it was really everybody's job. In the end, the work was given to nobody and nobody did a fine job. On and on this went. When work was to be done, nobody could always be counted on. Nobody visited the sick. Nobody gave liberally. Nobody shared his faith. In short, nobody was a very faithful member. Finally, the day came when somebody left the church and took anybody and everybody with him. Guess who was left? Nobody. Commitment. Another way of showing church loyalty is by service. By love, serve one another, the book of Galatians says. Now I know you older youth and sometimes older members of the church, you know, they're, they've taught for three years and they're asked to teach again Sunday school or summer Bible school or maybe it's to go singing. Um... I remember one man back in my local congregation. Um, he was asked to serve as superintendent. It wasn't his first time, but... Well, he said, um, rather not be tied down this year. Well, I didn't say it, but uh, I thought it. Uh, at least I don't recall that I did. But... Uh, I thought of Jesus who was nailed down. And I thought it's not so bad to be tied down to some responsibilities. Service and serving faithfully. Another way of showing church loyalty is accountability. 
a readiness to confront and to be confronted. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. If somebody falls, young person falls, get some others, go and help, remembering your own tendency to fall and do it with humility. There needs to be a loyalty to the church expectations for members. You know, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And I think most church members would say, Yes, I'd be willing to lay down my life for my friends, for other church members, for other Christians. However, I would question if a person would be willing to lay down their life if they're not willing to lay down their opinion for others, for their friends. Accountability and faithfulness and loyalty. Faithfulness in principle is only proven by faithfulness in detail. We may make great pronouncements of intentions and so on, but when we get right down to the nitty-gritty of accountability and submission, that's what really counts in terms of loyalty. And a final way is cooperation. I was talking recently with a friend who was telling me about this church. who had, uh, They're at a stalemate because... Uh, the roof is leaking, and they can't decide whether to keep it flat or to put a peak on it. And so that's where they sit. I suppose they'll soon be getting the buckets out. Cooperate. Help with the church cleaning. Help with singing in the community and outreach. Cooperate with your leaders. And for that matter, uh, sometimes the church does run into difficulties. Um, there are some, some church problems. But I would say don't be eager to hang out the dirty wash for other people and non-Christians. I know that sometimes has taken place. You know, my church, this problem, that problem, and this person. Don't hang out the dirty laundry for others. Support the decisions of the church. Be cooperative in that way. When I was a youth, there was a question whether to pave the church parking lot. Some spoke in favor of paving it. Others said, no, it'd be better not to. One who spoke strongly against it was the deacon. I think maybe he knew the financial city situation of the church, couldn't afford it, but anyway... Um, came to a vote and they decided to pave the church parking lot. So this deacon who was opposed to the idea would speak later about our decision. It was a joint decision. It was one that he was submissive to, even though he personally disagreed. Encourage church loyalty. It is encouraging to see church loyalty. Let's encourage one another. 
to demonstrate loyalty to Christ and his church.